Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys toward wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s, and Erica went through a sustained weight loss and self-love journey, we created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are now certified integrative nutrition health coaches, and together with our community, we are learning to live our best lives by telling one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys, and by talking about them and sharing personal stories of real people, we aim to destigmatize the process. Join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness. Today on the podcast, we welcome food freedom coach Sloan Elizabeth. Sloan works with individuals to tap into intuitive eating, to ditch food rules, diets, and restrictions. She also works to help clients learn how to eat with love and eliminate guilt and fear around food. On this episode, we discuss Sloan's personal journey to her work and offer practical tools and tips to cultivate food freedom. Sloan has also recently released a free guide titled, Five Steps to Eat with Love and Intuition to Stop Obsessively Thinking About Food which you can find a link for in our show notes. Let us know what you think of the episode and share your thoughts by tagging us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness. You can also always get in touch through our website by visiting CourageousWellness.net. Enjoy the episode. This episode is sponsored by Milk and Honey. Guys, I am so excited to share our new sponsor, Milk and Honey, with you because I have been using their baking soda-free deodorant exclusively for over two years. This gentle, aluminum-free, baking soda-free deodorant was designed to nourish sensitive skin while keeping you feeling and smelling fresh all day long. When I decided that I wanted to make the switch to a clean, aluminum-free deodorant, I tried so many different brands, and each and every time I was plagued with those red, itchy bumps under my arm, on top of not feeling confident whatsoever that I did not smell. Milk and Honey not only never once gave me those pesky little red bumps, but also passed the smell test, even after some of LA's toughest workout classes. This is my ride or die deodorant, and we are so excited to partner with them. Milk and Honey is a line of non-toxic, effective, and safe bath, body, and skincare products made in small batches in Austin, Texas. They source ingredients as hyper clean as possible, which means both choosing organic and making thoughtful, informed choices on safe ingredients. Milk and Honey is a female founded and funded brand. And in addition to clean deodorant, they also carry non-toxic bath, body and skincare products like hydration creams, cleansers, soaps, and body polish, and lots more that will make you feel nourished inside and out. If you wanna try Milk and Honey, you can receive 15% off your order by visiting milkandhoney.com and using the code CWPODCAST, one word, at checkout. You can also find the direct link in our show notes. We have an exciting new discount for our listeners with Four Sigmatic. 
Four Sigmatic offers superfood coffee and elixirs to upgrade your daily routine. The powerful antioxidants, antiviral effects, and immune-boosting properties of mushrooms transform your cup of joe from an energy-boosting treat to a health-enhancing choice. Along with mushroom coffee, Four Sigmatic also offers mushroom elixirs, mushroom hot cocos, and other shroom-filled products. Erica uses the lion's mane in her morning superfood coffee, and even though I hate mushrooms, I absolutely love the products, especially the matcha latte powder, which contains myataki mushrooms and adaptogens. For 10% off Four Sigmatic products, visit foursigmatic.com and use the code COURAGEOUS at checkout, and there's also a direct link in our show notes. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sloan. Thank you, ladies, for having me. I'm so excited for our chat. Us too. So can you um, start out by telling our listeners a little bit about your personal background and your, your personal journey to the work that you currently do? Absolutely. So my name is Sloan, obviously, and I'm a holistic wellness coach, and I specialize in food freedom and eating with love and intuition. That's my motto that I created with my programs. And so basically, I help women who are struggling with any kind of restrictions or diet mentality. And for me, that was something that I experienced, and it really started out when I was in high school. So I used to actually have a baking business. I love loved sweets. I've always loved chocolate. I had such a sweet tooth. Um, And I was always really active and, you know, quote, healthy in a conventional way. Um, Of course, I loved eating in and out from time to time, but I really didn't have many concerns with my body or my health. And towards my junior year of high school and my senior year, basically, I started noticing that my body was changing. I was a late bloomer. And so things started happening in my body way later than everybody else. So I I wasn't expecting it. And all of a sudden, like, I felt like I had gained weight and I just had like no confidence left. I was so thrown off. And so I basically started looking at all these diet trends because, you know, I live in Los Angeles and there's no shortage of juice cleanses. Like my friends were doing juice cleanses in, you know, 10th grade as like 16 year olds because their moms were doing it. And so I got curious and I've always been like a math science girl. So I would look and try to understand the nutrition, but the fear kind of outweighed the science at that time. And I just kind of became addicted to like those lists that you would see on Instagram that say top 10 health tips. And some of those would include like only eat berries, don't eat other fruit because they're too high in sugar. Um, Or, you know, don't eat carbs past noon because then your body doesn't have enough time to burn them off before you go to sleep, which is just like totally false. But it looked legit. And I was like, okay, if this is like the best way to be healthy, I want to be healthy. I want to look good. So I better do that. And so I started implementing these rules just kind of out of nowhere. And it was definitely too restrictive. Like I, I wanted to be healthy, but in the process, 
I was becoming even more unhealthy. And so when I went off to college, I was starting to shed some of these restrictions because I wanted to fully enjoy my college experience and I didn't want to hold myself back from anything. Um, but it was really the combination of learning nutrition and psychology in all of my pre-med classes with my own spiritual journey um, through people like Gabby Bernstein um, and Catherine Zankina of Manifestation Babe that I kind of realized that there were these two worlds. There was the science and the nutrition, and there was this whole beautiful world of self-development and manifestation and you know surrendering to the universe and so i realized that combining the two was exactly what allowed me to reach full food freedom and so when i kind of realized that those were the two pieces i was like okay eating with love and intuition is like the most succinct way that i can explain that and so i started teaching that to my audience and my clients to help them you know release restrictions and fully embrace their freedom and all of the love and gratitude for their body i love that concept of eating with love and intuition i think that's really beautiful um and i think food freedom is definitely a goal that so many of us have right and strive for and i think it Maybe I, I don't know if you agree, but a continual process. Totally. Um, but with that said, before we get into how to cultivate food freedom and what can we hear, what does food freedom look like for you? Right, like what does food freedom now look like for you? How do you eat? Totally. So I never will tell anyone, you know, what to eat or how. But freedom to me essentially means eating what I want, when I want it, solely based on my intuition and my body. So I never eat just because it's, quote, lunchtime. Or, you know, the other day I had breakfast for dinner and I had almond butter and peanut butter and bananas on my toast instead of avocado. And at first I was like, oh, I should have avocado because it's like a savory meal and it's dinner time. And then I was like, wait, what do I actually want? What am I actually in the mood for? And I'm like, I want something sweet, even though it's dinner. And so I had it. And so it's allowing yourself to have what you want whenever you want without any guilt or shame. And part of that is really choosing things for the love of the food and things that your body loves physically, mentally, and spiritually. So that's where the eating with love comes into place because so many people feel like if they have food freedom, they are going to run out of control with the Oreos and the ice cream and they're going to be forced to eat pizza and that if you eat a salad, then clearly you don't have food freedom. And that's not true at all because I believe that the human body likes to eat fruits and vegetables and grains and proteins and fats. The human body likes to move and be active. And so when you are using your intuition and your truth instead of what society says or what the rules are or what's conventional, then you'll realize what makes your body feel best. So when you have food freedom, you're going to be your healthiest self without any of the restrictions. No, it's so interesting hearing you talk. I mean, you're you're still a young woman. Um, we're all young-ish, but you're still a young woman. And I'm so impressed that you were able to go on this journey 
at the point in your life which you did. And I, I think honestly, it's probably a double-edged sword. I, I'm sort of reflecting generationally because Erica and I are about 10 years older and we didn't grow up with Instagram or Facebook, right? Like in those developmental years, social media just didn't exist. Smartphones didn't exist. Now I'm aging myself. But it's like, I think you were talking about that experience and I'm like, how, how, as a young woman, even still in high school, before she's moving into her, you know, her pre-med studies in undergrad, like that you were able to sort of start to dive into this kind of work. And especially when you're, you had a generation that was bombarded with information, probably good or bad, like, right, for, for better or worse. Um, mm -hmm. And maybe that's why this process, like hearing you talk with this sort of freedom and expertise at the stage that you are in your life right now is, is really actually exciting for me because I'm like, oh, I wish I had that sort of awareness at that phase in my life. Um, and you know, we, we come to the time, like we come to through our own journeys in the timing that we're meant to. But I also just love that you are now able to work with a younger generation of women who maybe don't have to suffer or punish themselves quite as long as like the previous one or, and, and for us, we talk about this too, where like even the generation prior to us, I think it's even longer. And mm -hmm. so just to see someone do this work like at this phase and have it accessible to younger women too is also really exciting. Um, I'm curious though, I would love to, I know this like goes back a little bit, but can you tell us because now social media is a part of business, it's a part of your platform, it's a part of your, you know, you have an audience where you communicate, how you communicate to clients and, and anybody who's interested in this sort of work. How would you say it's affected you in a negative way, maybe from like a diet culture perspective? You were talking about, you know, all the moms doing juice cleanses in LA and learning all this stuff on the on social media and like even more. I mean, the media has been the way diet culture has been perpetuated for 60 years now, but it's so much, it comes at you so much faster in the age of social media, right? And probably thousands upon thousands of times a week, let's say. Um, so I'm just curious how you navigated that and then you now use it for, for good, I guess. Yeah. It's a long-winded question. But. <laughs> no, thank you for that. And yeah, sometimes I feel like I'm 100 years old, honestly. Um, I forget how old I am all the time. And sometimes that actually hurts me because I am, you know, quote, a CEO already. And I run my own business, which I am beyond grateful for, but um, I have trouble relaxing and I have trouble just letting loose and having fun sometimes. So that's something that I'm actually always working on. Um, but yeah, I, I do not feel my age. So to answer your question about social media, for me, yeah, it can still be negative. Actually, the other month, I guess it was, um, when everybody was on TikTok and everybody was just starting to be at home, I was like, okay, I need to be on TikTok. I see people in my niche who are on TikTok 
getting a bunch of followers super easily. I should do this. And so for a week, I posted on TikTok every day, a couple times a day. And I felt so depleted and bad about myself because I wasn't getting views. I wasn't getting follows and people who were perpetuating diet culture were getting a lot of attention and a lot of followers. And I just realized that it was not a healthy space for me. And even though I do a lot to protect my energy in terms of like white light meditations and crystals and things I teach my clients to use, I'm you know still susceptible to the toxicity. And so at the end of the day, it's your responsibility to put up the walls when you need them there and to set the clear boundaries whether that's on social media or even with people like in your life. So when it comes to Instagram, I, you know, unfollow people almost every day who just pop up onto my feed, who are not serving me. I've also hidden friends who are people that I do hang out with, people that are friends of mine, but I do not agree with what they're posting. And so to make things less dramatic, I just hide them because I do not want that on my feed. Um, Thankfully, that hasn't happened too many times, but there have been a few people who I just have to hide them because if they're not bringing good things into my energy field, then there's no point in having them there. Similar to just like the news and the media in general, I, you know, am aware of what happens in the world. I read the skim every morning to get my little dose of media and, you know, I'm aware, but if it is just going to cause fear and comparison, then it is not allowed in my sphere. Similar to friends or family, you know, and there's a loving way to set boundaries, especially if you live with these people or if they're your roommates and they are creating a toxic environment for you or they're just pushing your buttons in certain ways, then it's It's up to you to stand up for yourself in a loving way and put that boundary there, either energetically or physically, so that you're, you know, prioritizing your well-being. Because at the end of the day, I talk about priorities a lot with food freedom. It's up to you to choose what you want to do, to choose what you want to eat, to choose how you want to sleep, move, whatever it is. So I would say, you know, recognize your agency and take advantage of that because that's a beautiful thing that you get to control what content you consume. Thank you for sharing that. And yeah, I mean, that mute button on Instagram is amazing. So if anyone doesn't use it or doesn't know about it, I think it's like one of the greatest um, tools that Instagram has given us. Yeah. Um, Because you don't have to unfollow somebody. You can just choose to mute their stories or mute their posts um, if it doesn't make you feel good. I would love to now, you're mentioning so much great stuff, right? Like you're talking about so much that I think so many of us, so many women specifically want to achieve and attain. But as we've mentioned, right? Like there is diet culture. There is a lot of information. Ali and I have been talking so much about like just our conditioning, right? Like we're so conditioned to feel or view things a certain way and it can be so subtle. So how do you coach people to attain food freedom? What are some tips you can, um, you know, really share with us? Because I think, you know, when you mentioned, right, like I think people do get scared about like, oh, I'm just going to eat the whole bag of cookies or the whole thing of peanut butter. And 
right? It comes from this place of we don't trust ourselves. So how do we help people learn how to trust themselves, right? And find, yeah, give us some of your tips, Sloan. (laughs) There are so many. Um, So first of all, definitely follow me on Instagram. I'm at Sloan Elizabeth, which is a new handle. Um, And so I have tons of tips there. But I love what you mentioned and highlighted about the trust because so often people feel out of control in other areas of their life. And then they turn to food as something that they can control. And that's where a lot of restriction stems from. And so the first thing that I always do with any new client is to really dive deep into awareness and actually you know, looking at the facade of fear, because fear is not real. It's a real emotion, but in terms of universal energy, fear, fear is not real. Only love is real. And so we can dive below that facade of fear and say, okay, where are these restrictions coming from? Where did you initially hear this? And, you know, validating, I know that this is true for you right now. That's totally fine. And this is what you believe cool, but you were not born scared of carbs and you were not born to eat, you know, the whole tub of peanut butter. You didn't do that when you were three years old. And so that's actually a really good thing because that means that it is something like you mentioned that maybe we were conditioned to believe or do. And so we can unravel that and we can uncondition that. And so it's really important to first things first do the more uncomfortable and potentially painful work of looking at the wounds and actually diving deep into the root because we can't just slap on some positive affirmations and expect to have, you know, positive body image and a quote, positive mindset. Um, Positive mindset isn't really like a real thing. Um, It, comes from so much deeper. And so, you know, it's not a quick fix. And the other two keys that are going to be really important for anyone starting this journey is patience and trying to heal any self-judgment. So I hear so often from girls who are explaining their relationship with food to me, they'll say, you know, I know that it's so stupid and I know that it's not logical, but I am worried that X, Y, Z. And the first thing I always say is, okay, your self-judgment, you calling yourself stupid and illogical is going to block you from going any further. Mm -hmm. So those two things, the patience and the forgiveness for yourself are going to be so crucial so that you can start uncovering, healing, and then learning to rebuild the trust. So the trust is kind of the last thing, even though it's the thing that people want first. We want to take a quick break from this episode to tell you about a wellness brand that we really love. It's called Ned. In 2019, we had co-founder Adrian Zimmerman on the podcast, and he shared all about Ned's commitment to providing the absolute best science-backed and nature-based solutions that offer holistic alternatives to prescription and over-the-counter medicine. Ned only grows the highest quality full spectrum CBD that is extracted from organically grown hemp plants and sourced from an independent farm in Colorado. All products are absolutely non-psychotropic. My favorite is Ned's Natural Cycle Collection made for women by women for period support. 
I particularly love the Ned Soothe Salve, made with hemp oil and specially created to help soothe premenstrual discomfort so you can feel your best. The Natural Cycle Collection is slow crafted from seed to bottle and contains anti-inflammatories, balancing minerals, healing antioxidants, nourishing fatty acids, and revitalizing vitamins. Erica, what is your favorite Ned product? Well, I have to say that my favorite is the full spectrum hemp oil line. When I consistently take it, I notice a huge difference in my anxiety, sleep, and general mood. So I have made it part of my daily self-care routine. Every day I use the 750 milligram tincture and do two droplets under my tongue in the morning and in the evening. I also love applying the hemp infused body butter to my neck and shoulders before bed as I am winding down and always use my tincture as an alternative to any pain medication if I get hit with a headache. If you want to try out Ned and give their CBD a try for yourself, we have a special offer for the Courageous Wellness audience. Go to www.helloned.com slash podcast. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D dot com slash CW podcast to get 15% off your first order plus free shipping. Thank you, Ned. We know you're going to love it. You can also find the direct link in our show notes and check out their full line of wellness products. Now back to the episode. It's interesting. You know, I recently shared um, something that I found online and uh, it was a resource from the holistic psychologist. And this has been something that I've been really thinking about for a while now, but it really ties into uh, something you're talking about, which is the idea of self-betrayal. It was something that she went into and it really opened my eyes to um, not just the fact that we do betray ourselves as people, but why? Like, where does that come from? And she talks about it really being a coping mechanism that we develop as children. Um, and once I sort of identified that, it, it sort of drastically opened my mind to why we constantly betray ourselves, right? Like, I want to be healthier. I want to implement these things in my life. But why is it so difficult sometimes? Because we're taught when we trust ourselves or act in our own best interests, then we won't receive love or security or the things as children. And it's just conditioning. It's just coping mechanisms, which are actually a good thing when you create them, right? As kids, like it really helps you get through some things. But the problem is we, we live with this patterning as you're sort of diving into. So the idea of going into the patterning first before you can go into the idea of the food yeah. So powerful because it doesn't actually matter at the end of the day. If you want to eat, you know, healthful choices for yourself, you're not going to be able to do that if you don't deal with the other stuff first. Yeah. Have you read um, Janine Roth's Women, Food, and God? No, I haven't yet. It's such an amazing book and resource. And, you know, it talks a it, it similar to so much of what we're discussing. And something that has really stuck with me from that read was really um, like you're holding on right to the food, like either like, you know, she talks about women who restrict or women who binge, right? Like either way, it's you're, you're focused so much on the food to really prevent yourself, like you're saying, from dealing with what's underneath, right? If you don't have to worry if you stopped worrying about what you were eating, you'd have to worry about what you're not, 
dealing with. And I think that's really powerful. And, you know, part her book and her, um, her progress is essentially, and I think what's really scary is she basically tells people they have to eat whatever they want until they're full, right? Like just stop when you're full is essentially like way later in the book, her program. But she does work with a lot of people on just eat whatever you want, even if it is the entire bag of Oreos or the entire jar of peanut butter, because that's how I think you essentially learn, right? Like what you actually are craving and how you Mm want to nourish and you know, feed your body. And I know um, Danica Breisha specifically had a lot of, you know, emotional success with her relationship with food, you know, through that, through just letting herself eat, you know, the bag of Doritos or whatever. So how, how do you help people then, right? Like, I'm so curious because I'm sure people coming to you are at many different stages in their journeys of food freedom. And for like the very beginner, what do you tell her to eat? Or do you tell her, like, how do you even tell her, like, what is day one of eating? Because is it in this similar vein, like, go eat the bag of Oreos or Doritos and see where that takes you? Or do you also help meal plan a little bit and help with that? So I never give meal plans because if there is any sort of rule or plan or guide to follow, that means that it is possible to fall, quote, off track. And it's possible to mess up and fail. And so that's why I'm really careful about giving plans. Um, I will definitely give recipes. And if someone truly needs a little bit of guidance, then I'll say, all right, let's come up with seven of your favorite breakfast, lunch, dinners, snacks, desserts, and then you can mix and match because I have zero idea what they're craving, what they're interested in, how hungry they are, how much sleep they got, which might then, you know, determine how hungry they are, where they're at in their cycle, you know, with hormones. So that's why I'll never give a plan. And the first step is always awareness. And so, you know, I think that's a really interesting concept to just say, yeah, just free for all. I personally don't recommend that just because that then might perpetuate a little bit more fear and feeling of out of control. So what I teach women to do is, and this totally sounds counterintuitive, but when you actually release control and rely on the universe, source, your higher self, God, if that resonates with you, that's when you'll feel the most in control. So that's why I really make it a point to tie in teachings about what your intuition is and how to tap into your intuition because so often people feel like they're doing everything alone. They feel like they have all this weight on their shoulders to make the right decision, to be as healthy as possible, to get all of their work done, to be a social butterfly. And it feels like too much and it's overwhelming. And, you know, that's when we get into anxiety and stress. So I try to help them see this 50-50 dance between them and the universe higher self, source, whatever resonates most with them. So the universe resonates most with me. So that's what I use. And so I, you know, tell them you have to become aware. We're so often going on autopilot, kind of what you you were talking about, Allie, with the conditioning and just doing things because they're normal to us. And so when you, let's say it's day one of food freedom and you're um, sitting down to breakfast, it's about getting curious without judgment. So curious. What am I in the mood for right now? 
And there will probably initially be fears like, oh, well, a protein-rich breakfast is the best thing, or oatmeal is the best thing, or eggs are the best thing, whatever it might be in your brain. And so the more you can learn to pause and listen to your intuition, which is a little bit of a softer voice um, above the roar of the fear and maybe the mean girl voice in your head, then you can say, okay, I'm actually in the mood for you know, a smoothie or I'm actually in the mood for toast. And then going with that, trusting it and releasing any guilt that comes along the way. So I think that allowing yourself to have that pause and learning to listen closer to your body and to your intuition is going to be the first step because we rely so much on our brains and on numbers and calculating. And it's a very masculine energy. And that's just how our world kind of works. That's the energy that we're in right now of planning and controlling. And that is our brain. And our brain thinks it knows how many calories we should have in a day, which is hilarious because the only thing that can really tell you how many calories you burn in a day is if you go into like this metabolic chamber where, you know, there's like, it's totally closed off and you're just living in there for 24 hours. That's like the only way that you can really determine how many calories you're burning in a day. So your brain actually doesn't know, your body knows. And the more you can practice and kind of use a little bit of exposure therapy to work through the fear as it comes, and then prove to yourself that it's okay to trust, that's how you build that muscle. It's about kind of being aware working through the fear, you know, on your own with a coach, with a friend, a loved one, and then building that love and trust within yourself so that you have the evidence that, okay, this actually works. I'm actually safe and healthy when I do this. Yeah. Makes sense. I'm curious, once you go through that sort of phase with someone, like the spiritual intuitive kind of work that it takes to sort of get into that space, How do you deal with, or do you, the, what I would call like the biochemical component of what's actually in a lot of our foods, which can also affect, and, and actually I've started using the language, like I said to Erica, I was like, I have to, you know, we've had conversations recently where it's like the good food, bad food conversation. There are no bad foods, but are there? I mean, there, so for me, I've started to say food and non-food right? Because I also think there's a lot of non-foods that we consume that are manufactured in laboratories to hit bliss points in our brain, right? That are marketed to us and our children like over and over and over again. And then people also develop sort of biochemical addictions to them, right? And so when you're, obviously like your clients are going on this important emotional or spiritual journey with the way they can deal with what their body is craving. But if someone is then also used to consuming highly processed food diets, um, how, you know, your brain is then programmed to sort of play tricks on you. And it's not just like, am I craving an avocado or a banana? But it's like used to, your body isn't used to processing things that aren't actually food. Like ego waffles, right? Like (laughs) with has like 75 ingredients, most of them not pronounceable, that type of thing. So how do you deal with that? Especially if you have a client who maybe has been used to those like hundred calorie snack pack full of ingredient kind of 
quote unquote foods and you're trying to tap them into using their intuition, but perhaps it's been also affected their actual like biochemistry in their body, physiologically affected by these chemicals, right? That Mm -hmm. we consume. Um, That can be confusing. And so do you ever find, I mean, we're in LA, do you find that most of the people that you know work with, or I should say work with, understand Mm -hmm. the difference between that? Or do you feel like you have to undo some um, choices there as well. Mm-hmm. So honestly, I would say that most of the clients I work with are on the end where they are scared to eat the processed food. And I teach them that eating processed food when you're in the mood for it is totally okay. Mm-hmm. But if I did have someone that was on the opposite end that was used to those things, essentially, I believe that the human body wants to feel good right? And the human body enjoys movement. It enjoys enough sleep. It enjoys when it's hydrated and it enjoys getting, you know, all of the vitamins and minerals and nutrients that we need. And so sometimes people actually don't know how good they can feel. And so with those kinds of people who are so used to eating processed foods, I think it's really important to still strip back the labels. And, you know, I'm not going to tell them, oh, that's junk food. You shouldn't eat that. That's bad for you. It's just looking at the food for what it is without labels, with a little bit more neutrality. And one thing that I really make sure we dive into is coming up with new definitions for what healthy means and coming up with new definitions for what nourishment means and really tapping into what food means to them. And so if they want food to be fuel for them and medicine for them, then that realization and that new definition, I think will broaden their perspective and say, okay, I want to experiment with this food. And as I was mentioning with the awareness piece, that is going to be another essential way to really tap deeper into intuition and build that trust. So um, I would want that person to notice, again, without judgment or um, any self-reprimandation. Is that a word? Without self-reprimanding? Yeah. Reprimanding themselves? All right. Let's go with that. Um, To assess, okay, how did it feel after eating that that, um, sleeve of Oreos? And then how did it feel after eating my, you know, banana or apple with almond butter? And just become aware. Again, neither of them has to be better or worse. It's just aware. And the more that they practice with that new sense of awareness, the more they'll be able to choose between the two options. So again, I think it's a little bit of exposure therapy, a little bit of um, redefining and looking at what food and those types of different categories of food means to them, and then experimenting. Because I can tell someone, you know, the universe has your back and your body is smarter than your brain and you won't gain 10 pounds if you eat dessert every day. But the more they have evidence built up within their own lives, the easier it will be. And so, you know, I tell them for the first 
month or three weeks of our coaching, just trust me. Just look at this as Sloan's crazy, scary experiment and just try to trust me. I tell this especially to clients who um, I, I'm trying to work with them to stop counting calories or um, weighing themselves because that feels really scary to not have those numbers. So I'm like, I know that this is so awful and so mean of me. So just label this as Sloan's awful experiment and let's just see how it goes. You can always go back to the scale or measuring. And so once they have the evidence and the data within their own bodies, then they can say, okay, I have more trust. I have more belief and I have proof that it works for me too and not just for Sloan. Right. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's amazing. And I think it's wonderful that you are helping, helping young women sort of understand these concepts because I think for so many people, it's such a struggle and for such a long time too. And um, it's so empowering when you can hit points of food freedom in your life. And I think something that you tapped on that I really resonate with is that it's really a joy. Like you really enjoy it. Right. And, um, and food can be so much joy and can be fun and creative and nourishing all at the same time. So, um, thank you for that. So we, and delicious. (laughs) Yeah. I love to eat. So we we do. We Um, love food. So I'm curious, you know, we ask all of our guests a couple questions as we start to wrap up and, one for you, um, um, because you live from this place of in, intuitive eating and in the way that you care for your body, what does your self-care on a daily basis look like? And I'll add on to that. What does, what does it take for you in your day-to-day life to practice what you teach others? Mm. So in terms of self-care, I would say the morning is the most important to me. And I have a pretty elaborate, but still like short in terms of time, a morning routine that I have developed, added on to, changed. And so for me, every single morning, except sometimes on the weekends, if I'm not in the mood, um, that's crucial. If I'm not in the mood, I won't do it. There's no forcing. But I do a little yoga stretch. I meditate. I journal. I visualize. I repeat affirmations to myself. And I choose a crystal or some affirmation cards from some of my decks. So um, especially because my days can be quite full and I take on a lot of energy from other people, I want to make sure that I am grounding myself and protecting my own energy right at the beginning of the day or else I feel like I get swept away in the day. And with that, I implement, quote, vibe checks um, throughout the day, which is something that I encourage all of my clients to do. Because if you do something at night or in the morning, um, as soon as you open your email inbox or you get that really stress-inducing text, everything that you've just repeated and journaled about and thought about goes out the window. And so reminding myself of the affirmations and of my beliefs throughout the day is super important. And so I do that via like physical reminders. So for me, it's like having crystals on my desk. Like every time I pick up my crystal and like have it with me and hold it with me, that's like a trigger for me to basically take a deep breath and, you know, assess basically check my vibes. Like where am I at? And so that's really important. 
And then I would also say um, my wind down at night. I always have herbal tea and usually a dessert. And um, I always read before I go to sleep. That's really soothing to me. I would also say that my daily movement is a form of self-care. It used to be something that um, was tied to negative body image. And now it's something that is just so fun. And I would say the last thing in terms of self-care is connection with friends, whether that's over FaceTime and Zoom or um, in person. And, you know, in order for me to keep my food freedom muscle strong and to keep developing myself and evolving, um, I always have at least one self-development book that I'm reading alongside a novel. So I always have two books going. Um, and just, you know, building that awareness, always being aware, always being curious, um, trying not to assume that I'm in the mood for my KK Greeny smoothie every morning, um, but to actually ask myself, like, what do I want? And to keep that kind of conversation open with myself so that it's constant curiosity um, and awareness. And I think that that's been really like the strongest stable routine and kind of hack that I have implemented. Oh, I love all of that. That's so great. So many great tips. Thank you for sharing that. And the um, last question we ask everybody is if you had a book, um, that you would recommend to us and our listeners, what would that book be? Ooh, okay. So I actually have a book on Amazon, so I'm going to plug that for a second, but that won't be my main choice. Um, the book that I have on Amazon is called Kale and Cravings with a K, and it is a health and wellness book um, with recipes and you know information for students. And so you can find that on Amazon. But the book that really changed my life is The Universe Has Your Back by Gabby Bernstein. And that was like the first spiritual book I ever read. And it basically changed my life in a lot of ways. And the main, I would say, mantra of the book is choose love over fear. Everything is either coming from love or fear. And that is something that I remind myself pretty much every day. So that would be my number one book. Oh, I love that so much. Thank you so, so much. Um, where can everyone find you two on the internet? Yeah. So I am at Sloan Elizabeth on Instagram and my website is sloan-elizabeth.com. And then my book is Kale and Cravings. And if you want to be in a tighter knit um, food freedom community, then I have a Facebook group too, which is called Eating with Love and Intuition with Sloan Elizabeth. Thank you so much. I'm so glad we had this conversation today. Me too. Thank you, ladies. This was so fun. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch through our website, www.courageouswellnesspodcast.com. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica and we're Courageous Wellness.